Welcome to the Wonder Your Way Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Neiman. I'm here to help you travel to Europe, to explore off the tourist track destinations, dig a bit deeper into those well-known places, offer up some tips so you can travel with peace of mind, and of course, to share a few stories. It's my hope to inspire you to travel to Europe, your way. wondering friend, how are you today? I am good. You know, actually, as I'm recording this, it is April 12th. That's a Tuesday. And exactly four weeks from today, I'm going to be on a plane heading to Ireland. That's where I'm starting this nomadic journey. I guess it's not really too sort of nomadic, I guess. Uh, Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. I have still lots to do for my trips. Although I will have to say my month in Ireland is set. I have lots to do for the next part, which is Scotland. I have some of it planned and some of it not, but I'm pretty excited about it. You know, it's always good to get out there and travel and explore new places that I can share with you. So today, what we're going to talk about, though, is not a destination, but we're going to talk about accommodation in Europe, because I think this is something that gets kind of confusing, especially for people who have never traveled to Europe, or even if you've only traveled over there a couple of times, because it's really different from accommodation here in the States, if you're listening from there, even, you know, probably with Canada, in different places. So the accommodation is just kind of different. So we see names of different things. Now, I'm going to offer up more like tips about how to choose the accommodation, because the accommodation types, the names of them are going to be different depending on what country you're in. You know, what you see in Ireland is not what you're going to see in Germany, which is not going to be, which is going to be different from what you might see in, you know, Greece, which is going to be different from what you see in Croatia or Romania or, you know, choose whatever country, because obviously it's going to be based on the language of the country. So everything is going to be a little bit different and you're going to have to do a little bit of maybe country specific research when it comes to accommodation. But I do want to offer up just a few names that I think you can kind of look for in some of the countries. First of all, I will say that things like chain hotels do exist, and you will see them in the bigger cities. You will see worldwide brands, you know, like Hilton or Hyatt or things like that, Marriott, they they're tend to be all over. And then you may see some that maybe are country specific or maybe more Europe specific or part of Europe specific, you know, like something like I think about like Premier Inns, which you will see throughout the UK. And I think that they have a couple of them in Ireland as well. They're a chain They're good kind of, I always kind of feel like they're a good airport stay. So you will see your chain hotels in big cities. And if that's your thing, if you've got points that you want to use, power to you, use it. You know, use your points. And if that's what you're more comfortable with, great. However, there are other types of accommodations. So one of the other things that you want to look for is I think everybody thinks about like a bed and breakfast. And those are pretty common. You might see them called different things kind of in in different in different countries, but a bed and breakfast is 
typically a good bet. And that's, and what exactly is that? Well, they're a little bit different than maybe what you might see here in the States. They can run the gamut from being very simple and basic to being a little bit more upscale and kind of everything in, in the middle. Typically, they're pretty small. There may be only a few rooms. A lot of times they're run by a couple, a family. And as the name implies, you do typically get breakfast as well as your room. So it's a really good deal. That's one type of accommodation to look for. Another one might be something like guest house or guest, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it in German, so I'm not even going to try, but it may be something along the term of a guest house. Now, guest house can be very similar to a bed and breakfast, but it may have a few more rooms. That's kind of like one of the things. Sometimes guest houses, a lot of times they'll also give you breakfast. Maybe sometimes they won't. Again, they're usually family run. You may see something like a boutique hotel. This is just a, hmm, typically they're smaller hotels. Um, they usually maybe only ha- may, may not have more than eh, maybe a couple dozen rooms, yeah, maybe as many as 30 rooms. And there's usually some some sort of like element to them that sort of makes them, they can be a little bit more upscale, but sometimes they can be kind of middle of the road. They're probably not going to be cheap. Um, so they're not going to be for your, for budget travelers. But they will offer up maybe some sort of kind of uniqueness to them. I think that's kind of the nice thing. And again, because they're smaller, you may get a little bit more sort of individualized attention, which is nice. But you may not get that 24-7 kind of reception that you would get with a big hotel. You may see other words like albergo or alberge. I'm see, I, my French is terrible. <laughs> Or something along the lines of Garni, which you will see in places like Italy. I'm much better with the, with the Italian words. So these can be, again, there may be a cross between like a bed and breakfast and a guest house. They may have a few more rooms to them. A pension is going to be very simple, maybe a step, if you will, below a bed and breakfast. It may be a little bit simpler. A garni in Italy is maybe a step above a bed and breakfast, just in the fact that it probably has more rooms. So it's maybe a little bit more like a guest house. Again, there are all these different names, and it's hard to really kind of classify exactly what they're going to mean because it's going to be country specific. But these are some of the words that you should be looking for. So don't let those words put you off. Don't let farm stay put you off. You may see agriturismo in in Italian. You may see something like, I think it's perador in, in Spain. So don't let those put you off because just because it's a farm stay doesn't mean you're going to be staying in a barn. <laughs> what it means is that there is a place to stay, but that where that place to stay is probably going to be out in a rural area and that it's also going to be a working farm, which means the family that runs it may grow some crops. If you're in Italy, you might be lucky and they might have their own vineyard. (laughs) So so that's a plus. Or they may raise, you know, their own animals for for food. They may raise, they may have like honeybees. So it can be kind of a lot of different things. They're great. So um, that's one of my favorite things is is an agriturismo. I love um, farm stays. So 
that would be something that would be really cool to stay in if you want to stay out in the countryside. You may want to stay in something like a castle or a castello, or that's Parador. Parador is the name, is that's that's Spanish. That kind of refers to a castle. Chateau in, in French. So you may want to splurge on something like that because castles or chateau are going to be a little bit more expensive to stay in. But it might be worth a splurge if that's something that you really want to do and that's important to you on your trip. And that's one of the things that you dream of doing. Then look for a castle or a castello, a chateau, a parador, all the different names that you will see across Europe because there are castle stays throughout a lot of Europe. So that's another thing to look for. You may also see something called a villa or a hacienda, a relais, and these kind of, or a manor house. These are kind of maybe a step down, if you will, from a castle. There may be like a large country house um, that was maybe owned by, you know, the upper class or some nobility back in the day. And so they're going to, again, maybe sit out in the countryside and kind of be on some land. And, And now they're hotels and, or, you know, their accommodation. So maybe they have a handful of rooms. They may have as, you know, there may be as many as a couple dozen rooms, but there may be like maybe 10 or 12 rooms. And usually, again, these are really can be really nice places. They're maybe going to be a little bit more of a splurge. And that is, (laughs) they can definitely be worth it. I've actually stayed in one for my friend's wedding in Ireland. Uh, It's called Gregan's, Gregan's House Hotel. I'll put a link to it. It's kind of called Gregan's House Hotel, but that's what it reminded me of. It was like this manor home. It was beautiful. Sometimes these places also make great, if you do have some event, if you want to get married or you're getting married, or maybe you've got some sort of family gathering, these can be great because you can rent out like the whole house and you've got everything that you need right there. So that's another type of of accommodation to look for. Now, something else you might want to look for, you might see the word, I think it is a berger in French or inn. We always think of like the English inn. That's, and actually I'm thinking of one in Ireland, in Kenmare, Ireland, which is where I'll be in as this probably as this comes out or close to it. An inn is actually part of a restaurant. So there's a restaurant that has rooms. That's the inn. And I'm thinking about the coachman in Kenmare because they have a wonderful like bar and restaurant downstairs and upstairs they actually have rooms and it's the coachman's inn. So those, when you think about like the old English, you think about, you know, the people like, you know, were riding their horses and then they stop and they get their food and everything. And then there's rooms upstairs. That's kind of what an inn is. So those still exist. If you want to have something like that, if you want to be able to be in the pub downstairs and then just kind of stumble your way upstairs after you've had a little bit of crack. That means fun in for Irish. And um, then you just lay your head down. So those are a couple of other types of accommodation to look for. So again, we could also talk about holiday apartments or Airbnbs, because these are also a possibility for you to stay in. You may see, obviously you can go on Airbnb and I'm gonna give you some tips for that, but there are also like holiday homes, holiday apartments. And if you go to a certain region within a country, you may able to specifically look for things like holiday cottage or holiday apartment or holiday home. And again, it's going to depend on, you know, the size of your your traveling party. If you're just a couple, 
you might just need a little apartment. If you're a family with, uh, you know, maybe there's eight of you and you need a few bedrooms, then you might look for something like a holiday house or a holiday cottage. So those are a bunch of different types of accommodation to just consider when you're staying in Europe. It's not all going to be about hotels. You're going to see all these other crazy names, pension, albergo, alberge, um, guest house, garni, agoturismo. So, so there's all kinds of different names. Don't let it freak you out. Be sure that you just really kind of maybe look at each place and see exactly what they have to offer. And that's going to bring me to my tips, because this is the biggest thing that's going to help you determine what type of accommodation is going to be best for you, because you're going to get very confused because of all the different names and you just need to let that not throw you off. And if you really kind of look at each place, each accommodation website, you'll get a sense of what type of accommodation it is and whether or not it fits what you're looking for. So tip number one in choosing accommodation is going to be the obvious one, which is to consider your budget. So if you don't have a lot of money to spend on accommodation, then you're going to need to stay in those simpler places. This might mean a pension. It might mean you know, a hostel, which is something I didn't even bring up, but but hostels aren't necessarily all just big dorm rooms. Sometimes hostels have private rooms, even private rooms with a private bathroom. So consider that. You may consider something like a B&B because you can find inexpensive B&Bs and think about it, you get your breakfast too. So if that's included in the price, then that's something that you don't have to worry about paying for. So look for that. Think about your budget. If your budget's a little bit lower, you're going to think about simpler places. You're probably going to stay away from castles (laughs) and manor homes and villas and places like that. But you might be able to find a great albergo or you might even be able to find an, an agriturismo that's really simple and basic that's inexpensive because it's definitely possible. So that's the first thing you want to consider is your budget. Obviously, if you have a higher end budget, then you get to go up. You can stay in the castle. You can stay in the manor home. You can stay in that really swanky boutique hotel. So know your budget first. And what I usually tell people to do is just think about how much do you want to spend on your place to sleep each night? What is that per night fee that you want to pay? So that's the first thing. The second tip is that you want to know where a place is. Because as in most real estate, it's location, location, location. And if you are staying in Paris and you know that you really want to be near the Louvre or you want to be you know, near the Eiffel Tower, then you're going to want to choose a place accordingly. Now, sometimes you have to make some compromises because it may cost you a little bit more to stay in certain areas and your budget may not allow it. So then you have to kind of find that compromise. Well, what's something that's still in a decent location where I'm not too far away from where from some of the things I want to do and, and be near, but you know, I'm not, I'm close enough, but I'm not too far. So you need to make those compromises. And you might also have to think about things like, well, 
think about some places that are like like London or Paris where things are like all over the place. It's like, well, there's sites in this neighborhood and this neighborhood and that neighborhood and things are all over. And it's like, well, I want to do all of them. So where's the best centrally located place that's within my budget? that I can stay and has a place that that fits some of my other needs and wants. So location matters, but you're also going to have to think about obviously your budget and some of the other things that you maybe want to do while you're there. Now, I will say that the other thing that I would consider is making sure that you are in a safe area, especially if you are a solo traveler, and especially if you're a solo female traveler. If you need to spend a little bit more to put yourself into a safer location, then that's worth it. So I just kind of want to want you to keep that in mind. The other thing is when you're, you know, if you're staying in a small town, probably not such a big deal about noise. If you're staying in a bigger city and you don't want to be in a noisy place, then you're going to want to find an accommodation, you know, a hotel, a guest house that's maybe, you know, not on a main street. So that might be something to consider. If you're a light sleeper like I am, I like to kind of be in places that are a little quieter. I talked about staying in an inn above a pub. I would not do that because I am a light sleeper and I would probably never sleep if the pub doesn't close until, you know, one o'clock in the morning. They might close a little earlier than that, but you get the idea. So you need to kind of think about kind of what you want to from that location. Do you want to be close to everything? Do you want to be somewhere quieter? Do you want to be in the in the middle of thing? So you find that sweet spot that fits in your budget and then go with that. But do consider the location. The other tip is kind of knowing like, well, do I want 24-7 reception? Maybe you do. Then you want to stay in a regular kind of chain-like hotel that has 24-7 reception. If you're okay not having that, then you can stay in a lot of other areas. If you want to really support a family-run business, then you're going to maybe choose one of those small B&Bs or guest houses that's run by, you know, that's run by a family. Maybe you want to stay someplace that is really eco-friendly and you know that they've that they've got like solar panels and things like that you know to maybe to heat their water look for that you also want to consider a lot of those other wants and needs do you want breakfast in the morning or is one of the things you like to do is go find a really cool place to go have breakfast or brunch so consider those things because that's also going to sort of help you find the right accommodation for you If you're staying for a while, and even if you're a solo traveler, maybe you're like, I really want a kitchen, or at least, you know, a small little like kitchenette, then you're going to want to think about something like an Airbnb or a holiday apartment or something along those lines, some sort of long term stay. So consider that as well. If you're a family and you're like, oh, yeah, it's like we really need to have, we're going to stay here for a week. We need a kitchen. We've got small kids. We're going to want to have food. You need to think about those things. And that helps you decide what type of accommodation. Now, one of the things I will tell you is, well, I do use Airbnb to some extent. I always try to choose an Airbnb that I know is owned and run by that person and that and not by a company because one of the issues with Airbnb that some cities are seeing is, 
you know, outsiders are coming in and they're buying up places and renting them out and they're pushing the locals out um, both like physically and then like financially. It's like, you know, they're, they're, the prices go up and then the, the locals can't actually afford to, to stay in these cities. You know, places like Barcelona, I think, have gotten bad and they've cracked down. Paris is another one. So do be very careful. When you do book with Airbnb, because the idea is with Airbnb is, you know, the whole kind of sharing economy. So the idea is that you are connecting with the local, the owner of the apartment or the room, depending on what you're staying in. And that's something else you can do is just, you know, do a shared room if you uh, want to do something like that and have just a room in somebody's house. That's another option, which is great, I think, for for solo travelers, because it gives you a chance to meet some other people. But if you want an apartment, just be sure that you kind of do a little bit of homework if you're going to book through Airbnb. The other option is that, like I said, um, most countries will have like, you know, if, if you go into a region and I'm thinking about a place in, here I am back to Ireland again, I have Ireland on the brain, is that there's like in Connemara, I know they have like, I think there's a couple like Connemara cottages or something like that. So there will be like region specific rental places where you can find apartments or holiday cottages. So don't just look at Airbnb, look at some of those ones that are really specific to a a region. I mean, you might even be able to find something like, you know, in just a city like in, in London, London rentals or something like that. So do that as well as looking at Airbnb, because sometimes you can find better options on some of the more localized regional websites for holiday rentals. So keep that in mind. And one more tip. So where do you find places? <laughs> That's can be the hard thing. So what I say is to use resources. Obviously, if you know people that have been to the same places that you're going, then ask them, where did you stay? Did you like it? That's always a great resource, especially if they're people that you trust and you know that, you know, maybe they would have the same budget as you. They would have the same tastes as you. So that would be okay. I think uh, using things like the tourism board websites, again, you can get not just like big, like don't just look at like the Scottish tourism board, but go into a specific area and look at that guidebooks, you know, Everything from Lonely Planet to Rick Steves to Fodor's, that's, they can be helpful as far as guiding you places. I know some people say that um, they might look at things like TripAdvisor or Booking.com. Now, TripAdvisor, be careful because take those reviews with a grain of salt because don't think you have to have actually stayed in a place to leave a review. Whereas in booking.com, you do, you cannot leave a review unless you have actually stayed there. So sometimes that's a good place to start because you can at least start to see places. I do something very strange. Sometimes like I'll find a few places, you know, I, I, I utilize also like maybe some blogs that I follow, some websites, just people that maybe write about this stuff. So I might Google like best places to stay in Berlin or something like that. And, you know, I'll kind of just start to narrow it down. I'll look at places. And then I start to place things like on the map because you know me, I love my maps. So I get Google Maps and I just kind of look. And then I start to see also like what's around. So what section do I want to be in? And you know, what area of town? And then I might see what other kind of places pop up there on the map that end up populating on the map. And I've actually found a few cool places that way. So 
it can take a lot of time, you guys. I have I can't even tell you how much time I can actually spend doing this for clients because I can really go down a rabbit hole and I can really start like getting into hotel porn, <laughs> just really looking at places and be like, oh, look at this place and look at this place. I find a lot of really cool places though. So be careful of that. Um, because you can spend a lot of time. If you don't want to spend the time, you can always hire me <laughs> because I don't really mind spending the time uh, to do that. That's part of what I do as a travel planner is is kind of get to look at all the different hotels and different accommodation all over all over Europe. It's a lot of fun, but it can take a lot of time. So, you know, again, utilize some of those resources that you trust and um, kind of take it from there. Do look at the websites, you know, re- some of the reviews, obviously. Tank some of those with a grain of salt. You kind of have to watch that. And when you look at the website too, just click get a vibe for it. And the other thing that I always do is, you know, when I am starting to book a hotel and or guest house for clients, when I email them and I see how like their customer service is, that always is a good indication. So I, I, you know, I kind of get a little bit of a vibe maybe from the website and I'm like, okay, yeah, this place looks pretty cool. And, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, if they have a, if they have a pretty nice website, you know, that kind of helps, but that can, you know, sometimes slick isn't always good. Sometimes those kind of clunky old (laughs) B&B websites that I've come across, like in places like Ireland and and, in Scotland and even in, in Italy, it's like, oh, you really need to update your website but they end up being great places. So don't let that turn you off. Go more that if you send them a note, like if you email them or fill out their contact form and see what kind of vibe you get back from them. You know, I find that so many times that when I when I have a really good interaction with the people that are running it, whether or not they're the owners or if they're some sort of manager or something that's running the guest house, I don't, you know, if I get a good vibe, that's usually a good feeling. And usually that carries over into the accommodation and the stay. So keep that in mind as well. And, you know, I'm going to I do want to tell a story, but but I do want to say this, first of all. Some people are like, you know, I've had a couple clients that say, well, you know, it doesn't matter as long as I have a, you know, a decent place to lay my head and everything. I'm not really going to spend that much time there in, you know, my room. So I don't really care too much. And I really kind of disagree with that. I really think good accommodation can make or break your trip because if you're staying somewhere that's, you know, maybe doesn't feel safe, isn't very clean, maybe the service isn't so great, that's going to kind of, it's, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to completely ruin your trip, but it's it's going to kind of, you know, it's going to put a little dent in it, let's say. So I do think that making a good choice on your accommodation is important. And, you know, I think it can be can be overwhelming. <laughs> you kind of have that feeling like, oh, what if I choose poorly? What if, what should I choose this one or that one? And sometimes it is hard, but sometimes you just got to go with your gut when it comes to that. So that's what I usually do. And typically I am right when it comes to things like that. So here's a little bit of a story that I, that I want to kind of share with you as far as um, kind of <laughs> choosing a good place. So in 2014, I was making my first trip to San Vigilio di Marebe, which is a, a small town up in the Dolomites. It's kind of right by the Fanacena Spreus uh, Dolomite Nature Park. And I remember I was really having a hard time. Like I knew I wanted to stay near this park, but I didn't know what town. And so I finally kind of decided on this town and I found a place to stay. Really had a hard time. I was like, you know, I was kind of like, oh, what if I choose? I was in that what if I choose poorly kind of mode. So 
I decided on a place and the name of the place was actually called Aquabad Cortina. And it's a nice place. But this was kind of getting towards the latter part of September. And, you know, in in this part of, of the Dolomites, a lot of the places will close maybe by like early October for like their kind of summer season, if you will. And then they're closed for a couple months and then they reopen for the ski season because it's a ski area as well. So I was pretty much looking forward to this place. It looked really great. It looked like my kind of place. And so I had been, I think I had left early, early September. So I was probably maybe a week or so into my trip, week and a half or so. And I got an email from the owner saying, you know what, we're going to close early for the season. Um, my wife's about to have a baby. So we just decided to, to close a little bit early. And I have the feeling I might have been like, maybe there was maybe me and maybe somebody else like staying there too. I mean, he obviously didn't have a lot of booking. So that probably was another factor. So he had found a comparable hotel. And he said, you know, with my permission, he would transfer my deposit and and I could stay at this other hotel instead. And I was kind of like, what the fuck? You know, I was kind of a little put off by it. And I'm like, why are you closing? (laughs) Okay, so your wife's having a baby, but (laughs) you already have three kids. So what does it matter? I'm kidding. Um, So I was just kind of skeptical. And I was because I'd never had anything like this happen. And so, you know, he had sent me a link or in the name of the place that I'd be staying, and it was called Hotel Olympia. Now, if you've ever read any of my blogs... you know that I love this hotel. So here's what happened. I was still a little unsure. And, you know, but I agreed. I'm like, okay, you can transfer my deposit. And so when I got there to Hotel Olympia after like missing, like, I think I think I drove around a few times before I figured out like where I needed to go. I got a little lost. But there was Marco, the owner, in his Empire Strikes Back t-shirt. He's a big Star Wars fan. So immediately I was like, I'm a big Star Wars fan too. And He spoke some English, a little spotty, but enough to get by. And he took me to my room and it was this nice, good sized room with lots of wood. I love that. I love that about that part of of Italy. They do so much like so many of the places have lots of wood. There was this nice balcony overlooking the town and the mountains. And I was, and I had in a walk-in closet and I was like, I fucking love this place. (laughs) So I totally fell in love with it. They do half board there. And so you get your, you get your dinner as well. And dinner was just like this treat. His daughter, Camila, who is now like, she was, you know, such a so young when I first met her in 2014. Now she's like this beautiful young lady, good snowboarder as well. And then I met his wife, Fabiana, and I just absolutely fell in love with this hotel. So there went all my skepticism about what's going on here. And I ended up in like one of my, it's probably one of my very favorite hotels that I stay in. And it is a hotel. It's a small hotel. They've got maybe, I think they've got maybe a couple dozen rooms at the most and they do a wonderful dinner. They have a huge breakfast. So accommodation can make or break your trip. And, you know, I think that (laughs) I've been back to Hotel Olympia. Let's see, I went back in 2019 and I was there 2021. I'm going back again this year and I promised I would stay longer. So I'm going to be there for a couple of weeks. I really can't wait. I love this place. It's one of my favorite places. So, you know, finding the perfect accommodation for you, sometimes you stumble into it. (laughs) I obviously found a place here that, that I absolutely love. So it's not always cut and dried. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes you are going to stay in a place that you're kind of like, 
meh, meh. It was okay. You know, I've definitely done that, you know, and, and th- thinking that I had chosen a place that was great. But I think if you kind of, you know, first of all, just know that it's they're going to be called all kinds of different things and also alter your expectations because things are obviously going to be a little bit different in Europe. There's a lot more like things like smaller bathrooms and things like that. Sometimes the beds are a little smaller, the rooms can be a little smaller, but sometimes you get some pretty good sized rooms. So it really depends. Those are all things that you want to consider as you're choosing accommodation. Think about all the things that matter to you. Take into account that budget, take into account the location, and then, you know, then you got to make a choice. And then from there, I would say, just kind of trust your gut. If this feels like it's the right place, it probably is. And if you're in doubt, and if you need help, then that's where you turn to a travel planner like myself, who can really maybe, you know, we might know a little bit more about some of the accommodation in Europe, and we might be able to help you out a little bit more if you get a little stumped. So I think we'll wrap up this kind of tips helpful episode. I hope that it was helpful. It might be clear as mud because like I said, it's really hard to put different names on the different types of accommodation because it's going to vary a little bit country to country. But just know to look for things that are a little bit different and don't let that put you off. Don't always look for something that says hotel because unless you're a person that always needs a hotel, you know, you can you can stay in some of these other places and don't let some of the other places turn you off. The other thing I do want to point out is that I know a lot of people think that, oh, but I don't want to share a bathroom with with um, with anyone. And I would say that most of the the B&Bs and guest houses that you stay in, that's most of the places will have en suite, E-N, then S-U-I-T-E. If you don't know that, that just means that the bathroom is within the room. You will see shared bathrooms in some places. And again, that's going to be more budget friendly. You're going to find it's a little cheaper if you do that. But if having your own bathroom is important, it's very, very easy to find. And it's not necessarily going to be something that's going to, you know, all of a sudden cost you a whole lot more. So if you have any questions about accommodation, you know how to hit me up. Lynn at wonderyourway.com. You can always use the contact form over there too. It's wonderyourway.com backslash, front slash, slash, (laughs) contact. And you can fill out the contact form. And you know, if you need help with your trip, I'm always available. I got three levels of travel planning services from just a one hour consultation call to just planning out your itinerary to doing everything in the kitchen sink, which is the customized travel planning services that I have. And I love what I do. So hit me up. Europe is definitely very much open. I know I'm super stoked to go back again. It's my happy place. What can I say? So if you haven't left a review, I hope that you will. It does help me and I hope it's a five-star review. And you know, leave a few kind words. I love to read the reviews and it does help me grow the reach of the podcast. And if you want to support the show, then do buy me a cup of tea. I love the tea in Ireland. Or you can buy me a Guinness. That'd be fine with me too. Or a wee dram of uh, some good Irish whiskey. And you will see the coffee cup down. If you go to the website, wonderyourway.com, you will see it discreetly down in the lower right-hand corner. And I believe on the sh- on the descriptions here on a lot of the, you know, on Apple Podcasts or, or a Spotify and things like that, there is a little donation thing there where you can kind of connect with that on the description of, of the show. So... 
I would always appreciate any sort of donation to the show or the blog, either one. And I just want to say thanks for tuning in and listening. It's always a pleasure to put a little Europe travel into your ears. So until next time, arrivederci. Happy travels. Thank you.